Hey, what's up guys? I want to thank you for joining me for another video. My name is Dr. LaHue and I am going to be looking this time at the uh, recommendations that I might make for Enneagram Type 1 people. Um, first of all, I want to say how much we appreciate you guys. Uh, we couldn't run our businesses, our organizations, our churches and all of that if it wasn't for your dedication. Um, but let's... Uh, Let's uh, go through a few things about the one and then I want to make some recommendations at the end of this video of what I think, you know, uh, ones could do to better their lives and make their relationships more stable and, uh, and stronger. You know, I, I would begin this discussion on type ones and say this, you know, just kind of ask you this thing, you know, wouldn't it be nice if everybody did what they ought to do? You know, if everybody did what was expected of them and did what they ought to do, wouldn't the world be a better place? Of course, I mean, and that's really the way ones think. Um, perfectionists or the reformers, they think if everybody would just do what they're supposed to do, if everybody would cut their grass, if everybody would take out their trash, if they would keep their kids in school, you know, keep to themselves, mind their own business and do what was expected of them, the world would be better. If everybody stopped at the stoplights, if everybody took their shopping carts back and put them in the shopping cart corral instead of leaving them all over the parking lot, wouldn't the world just be a better place? Um, type ones are by nature desiring to be good people. They want to do the right thing. They want to do what's expected of them. They want to be dependable. They want to be thought of as reliable, respectable people. And so they're very concerned with how other people are perceiving them. They are in the compliant uh, type category, but it's not necessarily compliant like they want to go along with everybody. Uh, but they're compliant to the inner voice in their head that's telling them, that they need to do more, that they need to show up early, they need to stay late. They have what's called an inner critic in their head that just is compellingly telling them that they're not measuring up, that they're not getting it right. They could have done better, they should have started earlier, they could have tried harder. And so when they wake up in the morning, their feet hit the bed, or their feet hit the ground from the bed, they're thinking uh, through a list of what needs to get, in fact, they've probably thought that list you know, the night before they may not have been able to sleep very well because they've got this list in their head of what needs to happen today. Get up, get these tasks done, do what's expected of you. And they're complying with that inner critic. And no matter how hard they work at it, they never really feel like they got it right. They kind of go to bed at the end of the night feeling like, well, you know, kind of frustrated that they didn't maybe measure up. They didn't quite live up to the expectations. And they're frustrated. Their sin is anger. It's a, it's a bubbling cauldron of frustration that I should have tried harder, I should have done better. And then, much less, look at all those fools out there that I have to work with that don't take their job seriously. Look at all those people out there doing all these shenanigans and not getting their work done. And I've got to cover for them. And there's that frustration that comes from feeling like you're the only one that really cares about doing the job right. All these other people, they cut corners and they take shortcuts and they don't follow through on their commitments. And ones get very frustrated with that kind of uh, behavior. So their desire is to be good. But here's the tricky thing is goodness always seems to be somewhat elusive from them. It's like, it's like the golden brass ring they can never quite grasp. They never quite feel like they are good. They never quite feel like that they've measured up to the standard that that they've set for themselves. They're very ethical, reliable, productive, self-disciplined people. I'm looking at my notes here. 
they may come across uh, sometimes as judgmental because that inner critic that's in their voice sometimes gets verbalized to other people of what others ought to and should be doing. Key words for ones. What you ought and what you should. They live by what they ought to be doing and what they should be doing. And sometimes they'll verbalize that, especially if they're managers or have some kind of position of leadership or authority. They verbalize to others what others ought to and should be doing. And it's hard for them, I think, to realize that a lot of people don't live with oughts and shoulds in their heads. They just kind of do whatever they feel like doing, or they do whatever the crowd's doing, or they do what, what, whatever will make them fit in. And I think ones think, you're crazy. How can you just do whatever feels good for the moment? Don't you need to do what you should do if the sign says don't walk on the grass? How can you walk on the grass? If the, if the assignment was due on Thursday, why would you not finish the assignment on Thursday? Even if it's not done complete, turn something in. And so they're very frustrated with people that don't necessarily think in oughts and shoulds. And I don't think they can really understand or grasp how people can live without oughts and shoulds. Uh, so they can come across very judgmental or inflexible or controlling or hypercritical. But I think what you need to realize is that however critical they may be of you, it's probably nothing compared to the criticisms that they're mounting against themselves. So if they verbalize a criticism of how you didn't do something right, maybe you didn't load the dishwasher the right way, maybe you didn't put your socks in the right drawer or put them away right, whatever they verbalize to you is just kind of a tiny little glimpse as to all of the frustration that, that they tell themselves on a daily basis. Ones are idealistic people. In other words, they kind of think the world could and should be a better place. If everybody did what they were supposed to do, the world could be a better place. When I think of the one, I think of the proverbial patrol officer. You know, the police officer that's wearing a finely pressed uniform that doesn't call attention to itself. He's not trying to stand out and be flashy you know, and, and really wow people. No, he's wearing a uniform. He or she, police officer, they're wearing the, the uniform as it was designed to be worn. And they are out on the streets doing the right thing and then making sure you're doing the right thing. And they don't hesitate at turning on the siren and turning on the lights and pulling you over and saying, you're not doing the right thing. Pull your car over and now you're going to get you're going to get the consequences for not doing the right thing. And I'm helping you. I'm helping you learn to do the right thing in the future. And if everybody would do the right thing, you can hear the frustration in even the way I'm presenting this is if everybody would just do the right thing, then, you know, we'd have safe roads. We'd have safe schools. Um, we wouldn't have all these people getting hurt and abusing each other. And they've got a point. They're right if everybody would do the right thing. Of course, in our culture, who gets to determine what's right? One of the problems with our culture. So they kind of live by the idea that anything worth doing is worth doing well. Do it right the first time. You know, so they'll stick with something that's tedious and something, you know, that, that takes a lot of concentration or something that takes 
details. They love to organize and fix things and sort things out and make the you know make it make it right. I think about like airline pilots or airline pilots or airline mechanics or the people that work in the control towers. You know, there's a right way to do things, and you got to do things the right way according to the procedures. You can't just go out and be creative. You know, when you're a pilot, you can't just say, "Well, nah, I don't know. I feel like." turning the controls off and doing it my own way. Not a commercial pilot anyway. Uh, so they live by, let's do things by the book. Let's do things the way we're expected to do them. So um, they're just trying to get it right, but they're kind of grit, gritting their teeth together, you know, trying to get it right. And when they, when they are angry, they probably won't, they probably won't acknowledge that it's anger They'll just say, I was trying to do it right. And they're just kind of upset with themselves and frustrated that they're not getting it right. I think of like, if you watch The Office, I think of Angela on The Office. Or maybe Felix Unger on, if you're old school and you think about The Odd Couple. The church lady on Saturday Night Live. You know, well, isn't that special? Um, Mr. Banks, you know, on Mary Poppins who comes home and he's a banker. Bankers have to get things right. And, you know, there's a proper way to do everything. And you wear your tie and your suit and everything the proper way, the right way, the respectable way. And you come home and you pat your kids on the head and you send them off to bed. Mary Poppins is also a, a Enneagram type one. Practically perfect in every way. That's, that's what ones want to be. She's probably a one wing two and Banks is probably a one wing nine. Come home and after a day of work, just get your pipe and pat your kids on the head and send them to bed and then just relax for the evening where Mary Poppins is, you know, not only going to try to do things right, but she's also got that caregiving aspect of the two. King Triton on The Little Mermaid, you know, is the proverbial one. He's upset with his daughter. He wants her to follow the rules. And when she doesn't, she's a seven. When she doesn't, then he loses his mind. He loses his temper and bans her and banishes her from ever going above the surface of the water again. And you can see how ones can make enemies, um, not intentionally, but because they expect people to follow the rules and they get frustrated when people don't. And so it irritates them and they get, then they, they show their anger. When I think about a song from popular culture that really typifies the energy of the one, in country music I think of Aaron Tippin. Uh, and his song, I Got It Honest. I don't know if you're familiar with country music at all. This is an old song from the 90s. But let me just read a couple of the lines from the song. I roll out of the sack every morning and head down to the mill. I give them all I've got for eight hours because that's the deal. And every single penny I earned, I've got it honest. And he says, I've never turned my back on what I believe if I didn't earn it, I don't want it. I'm plain spoken and straight talking and proud of what I've accomplished. Uh, when I die, I may not leave my kids a fortune. Why? Because, you know, I won't cut corners. I won't cut corners and, and cheat and scheme and lie to make a lot of money is the implication. But I hope that my kids, listen, but I hope that my kids knew that my life stood for things that were important. Okay, there you got that value system, that strong value system of the one. And he says, 
I'll hand out the same sturdy old values of my daddy and my mama. It made me every ounce of what I am and I got it honest. When you're singing songs about handing down value systems from your parents, you know you're a one, okay? That's one language. In the prodigal son, in that story, if you're, if you're a Bible reader, then the one, I think, think of the older brother in the story of the prodigal son. You know, he kind of has got his arms folded and he's mad that his, his stupid brother, who's probably a seven, went out and squandered all the wealth and squandered all the inheritance and ruined the farm and ruined everything. And then when he decides that he can't make it in life and he comes home and dad forgives him, the one is upset. You know, he's angry. Uh, because his brother's been stupid and he should receive these consequences for being so stupid. Um, ones have a unique ability to spot errors and flaws and imperfections. They notice when they walk into a room if the music's too loud, if the air temperature's not right, if you know the food service isn't what it ought to be or the food items you know aren't cooked thoroughly, all of that, anything that is just not what it ought to be, it's just irritating to the one, and it's hard for them to go with the flow, uh, if the table isn't set properly, um, and if people, God forbid, leave their trash on the table, um, you know, the one's going to not only be upset by that, but then feel the responsibility. Here's the thing, they'll hear a voice in their head that says, you need to go pick that up. Not only their own trash, but somebody else's. You know, I need to go pick that up. If I was a good guy, if I was a good boy, if I was, you know, worth anything, then I'd go over there and I'd pick up that trash and put it. Now, I'm, that idiot over there, that fool, he should have done it himself. But he didn't. But if I'm a good guy and I do the right thing, I should go over there and I should just go over there and go pick it up for him. Um, so they're very critical of themselves. If they get a report card back and it's all A's and one B, what do you think they're going to notice? As a seven, I was just, you know, glad that I could get a report card when I was in middle school and early years in high school. I was just glad that I got a report card back that wouldn't get me grounded. That's <laughs> so when you have a, a, a one, you know, they want to get it perfect. They want to get it right. Um, they can always think of how something could have been better. You know, I, um, my brother is a one-wing nine, my older brother. And guess what? He was in law enforcement and a fire department. Okay, so that's the world of ones is law enforcement and fire department. And I asked him one time, I said, you know, if, um, if everybody got together and they said, hey, let's go out to eat. And they said, let's go to the Chinese restaurant. Or they, let's go to the Italian, the you know, the Mexican restaurant, whatever. Let's go to the Chinese restaurant. What's the first thing that goes through your mind as a one? And he said, the very first thing that goes through my mind is, is that really the best option? Really? I mean, is the Chinese restaurant, which is five miles away, a better option than the Mexican restaurant that's three miles away? And, and, and it just typifies what I'm saying here with the ones is, is that really the best is that really the best that could be done? Is that the best choice? Is that the best decision? And, and for the rest of us, just think of, just have some compassion for a minute, for ones. You know, they look so put together. They, they can be leaders. 
their dominant voices, you know, they're compliant to their list and compliant to that critic, but they can be kind of dominant people sometimes. They seem very secure and sure, and they're not going to go along with the crowd. They're going to do what they believe is right. It comes from the gut. Remember, they're one of the gut types. Eight, nines, and ones, they're, they're a gut type, so they, they intuitively know what, what should be done and what shouldn't be done. And they're not going to necessarily care what the poll says or what the group says. They, they're going to listen to their gut, and they're going to say in their heart, this is what needs to be done. And, and they're going to think, let's do this, regardless of who's with me or who's against me. Like that Aaron Tippin song, I'm going to do it honest, okay? But have some compassion for a minute. This should move all of us to a little bit of compassion for ones when you think about the fact that, um, you know, they're, they're always telling themselves, I could have done better. I mean, think how self-defeating that is. I should have tried harder. I should have given more. I should have left more on the field. They're just never satisfied with, with good enough. I think most of the rest of us on the Enneagram, you know, the other types, we, we kind of understand a little better that you do your best and you just leave it and you just walk away from it. And if it measures up, it measures up. If it doesn't, I mean, threes probably have a hard time with this too. But you go to bed at the end of the night and you can't stay up worried, you know, did I make a good enough supper for my kids? You know, did I... Uh, uh, what about that one paper I forgot to get done at work? Well, it'll wait. You go tomorrow and there'll be more work to do tomorrow. Um, but, you know, every interaction you have with people, always grading it and saying, wow, you know, maybe I, you know, maybe I should have done that better. Maybe I should have handled that better. Maybe they're, maybe I really upset them. I mean, it's just constant, constant frustration and constant grading yourself. And, and really, you, you know, it's it's like as a child... I think one's sort of got the idea that if they would parent themselves, then their parents wouldn't have to parent them. Maybe they got in trouble and got yelled at, and that was such a terrible feeling for them that they thought, I don't ever want that to happen again. I don't ever want to get in trouble again. I don't ever want to get yelled at again. So I better do everything that's expected of me or I'm going to be in trouble, or I'm going to, you know, the people are going to reject me. People aren't going to love me. They're not going to be there for me. And I think it helps us be a little bit more compassionate with, um, with the frustration that maybe they're feeling because it, it, would, be, it would be difficult for any of us to, to live that way. You know, it's impossible to think that there's going to be every area of your life is going to be perfect and right. You know, I mean, if you decided right now that, okay, you're going to be a one, which you, you know, you can't decide that, but if you're going to be a one or you're a one and you're going to, you're going to get everything organized, get everything right, get everything straightened out, where do you start? I mean, is it your family? Is that where you're going to focus and get all of that right? And how are you going to get your kids right? You know what I mean? Think of the pressure that you're putting on yourself and on your kids that they have to conform to everything that you, all of your values, all of your they are their own minds too. They do what they want to do. Or what about at work? Are you going to choose work? Are you going to choose the garage? So you're going to organize the garage and get everything in the garage the way it should be. All right, well, what about your bedroom? What about your closet? What about, you see, I mean, the list goes on and on and on, a never ending of what needs to be improved. Um, and so you are going to exhaust yourself and everybody else around you is going to be exhausted because your continual need to make things right, to make things good, to make things organized. And the very thing that we applaud about you, your desire to make everything right and your desire to make everything good is in a sense what's destroying you. 
Because what's true of the world around you? The world around you is broken. It is. It's broken. It's flawed. From a biblical perspective, the Garden of Eden is no longer where we live. We live in the wilderness. We don't live in the Garden of Eden. Everything is broken and something's wrong with everything. Maybe it could be enough for you instead of trying to always be right and good to just try to make a difference. To just be content with making an impact in the world. What if, what if you could shift in your thinking from, I need to do everything right, I need to do everything perfectly, to can I make a difference? Can I bring some healing? Can I organize and make things better? And then realize that I can't fix everything, not only that, but I can't fix myself. I can't fix myself, I can't fix my marriage, I can't fix my children, I can't fix my job, I can't fix work, but I can make a difference. I can make an impact. And that's far healthier than I've got to fix everything. It's just, I can make a difference. I can make an impact. So, let's see. Um, when ones do something wrong and they need to apologize, it'll be very hard for them to apologize because it's hard for them to admit that they were wrong. That's the whole deal for a one is that you don't do wrong things. You do the right thing. So when they do the wrong thing, which invariably we all will do, they may try to minimize and be hard for them to verbalize their apology. So when they do apologize to you, you should receive it and accept it and thank them and be grateful for that apology because it's not easy for them. I'm a seven. I give apologies all the time. I live in the world of apology. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But for ones, that's so difficult to say, I'm sorry. I was wrong what they will probably say is something more like, I don't know what got into me. See how you distance yourself from, that's not me that did that. I don't know who that was that got control of me and did those shameful things. They'll say things like, I don't know what got into me. I just wasn't myself. I, 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 don't, know what, I don't know what to say. Um, I guess I was just having a bad day. And so it's hard for them to own that you're not, I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect and I'm going to make mistakes and I'm going to blow it. And what healing could come in your life as a one if you could just embrace the fact that I am what the Bible says, a sinner in need of grace. I'm not perfect. I'm going to fail. I already have failed and I'm going to fail again. And yet, even though I'm not quote unquote good, I can still be loved. Man, that is so powerful. But that's really what the one is struggling with. Can you really be loved? Can you really be accepted if you're not, if you don't measure up? Well, yeah. I mean, think about your own kids. They're not perfect. You would, you don't even expect them to be perfect. You want them to try their best, but you still love. Okay, maybe if you don't have kids, think brothers and sisters or friends. None of your friends are perfect. I mean, they all have their problems. They all do their weird things. Your brothers and sisters or whatever, they weren't perfect. And yet what? You loved them. You learned to just, you know, give some grace and give some room and, and just love people anyway. Why, why can't we love ourselves if God loves us even though we're not perfect and even writes a book to tell us we're not perfect? Maybe we could learn to love ourselves um, and accept ourselves. And in fact, here's the thing. It's not our goodness 
that at the end of the day will get us right with the universe. Let's just say that. It's not our goodness that gets us right with the universe, okay? It's our fallenness, our brokenness that recognizes, that helps us to recognize our need for help, right? Jesus would say, um, I didn't come to call the healthy, you know, I came for the sick. The healthy don't need a doctor. You know, so if you're healthy and you're fine and you're good and you're right and everything's okay and there's no problems in your life, then you don't need any help. And you'll just go through life, guess what? Alone. On a team of one. Because nobody can measure up to your team. And you may be surrounded right now with family members that want to relate to you. They love you and they want to relate to you, but it's hard for you to accept them the way they are because they're not perfect and they don't have everything together. And so here's the thing. Your frustration with them for how they don't measure up is, is what? Causing you to miss what's right in front of you. In other words, you're not present to life as it is because you're so idealistic about the way things ought to be and the way people ought to behave and the way people ought to treat you and the way people ought that you can't love people as they are. People are broken. People are fallen. People make mistakes. People do the wrong things and sometimes on purpose. And can you love people even though they will let you down? Um, can you accept the people as they are in your life? Broken as they are? Oh, well, ones want to be teachers. They're natural born teachers, you know. They've got wisdom to instill the right way, the proper way. My grandfather was a one, and he was always bringing you over and setting you down and finding something in you that needed to be corrected, you know, some way you need to be straightened out a little bit. He was always helping you that way. That's the way one's help is by straightening you out and pointing out what you could do better. And they're doers. Um, ones don't want to talk about their feelings primarily. They don't want to talk about what they think about things. They're just looking for what needs to be done. What do we do? What do we need to change? What do we need to implement? How can we make this better? How can we make this smoother? How can we make this more efficient? What changes need to be made? Let's make the changes. Let's go. They're people of action. They're in that gut triad. So they are action-oriented people who like to organize and make things better. Um, that's why we appreciate them. We couldn't run our organizations, our churches, our businesses without them. They'll show up early, stay late, do the jobs nobody wants to do. By the way, when ones do those jobs, <laughs> sometimes they will do them in such a way as to be seen. And, and not for your approval. Okay, It's not like they want you to see them, let's just say, taking out the trash or washing the dishes. They don't want to be seen so that you will applaud them. They don't want to be seen so that you'll say, oh, wow, thank you, Marty. That was so helpful. You stepped in and you stayed the hours and you did more than was expected and we're going to honor you in some way. They're not interested in that. Okay, that's not what they're interested in. A lot of times ones will do those jobs to be seen for the reason and the purpose of showing the rest of us what we ought to be doing. In other words, it's a lesson. So they'll be over in the corner, you know, emptying the trash or washing the dishes and they, they may not ever say this but their goal is or what they'd like is for you to see them doing this work and then you feel that inner voice for a minute you hear that inner critic for a minute that says i i ought to go do that 
I should be the one getting that job done. So they're, they're often doing things as a way of instructing us what we ought to be doing. Okay. They'll do the thankless jobs, not to be praised, but to sort of coach us and show us the better way, the higher path. They want to be useful. That's good. They want to bring order. That's good. They'll make personal sacrifices. That's good. They kind of have that idea that, well, nobody else is going to do this, so I guess I better. Nobody else is going to do their duty. Nobody else is going to step up to the plate. There's a lot of ways to say that, but that's kind of the, the way they think, I think. They have a strong sense of right and wrong. They often have a very strict religious moral code um, of what they should and shouldn't be doing. Uh, they continually compare themselves with others. Think like Hermione Granger, you know, getting on the bus or the train first year at Hogwarts and she's already, you know, uh, asking everybody, have you read Hogwarts of History? Have you read, you know, are you, she wants to know where she stands. Is she better prepared than they are? Is she doing the right thing faster and better than everybody else is doing it? So they're, they're interested in what other people are doing as a way of comparing themselves to make sure that they're okay and they're good. Okay. They're well organized and orderly. Um, okay, reliable. They won't give up on a job maybe until it gets done where many of us would lose interest and quit or find something else to do. Um, they're going to stick with it, more likely to stick with it. They make good leaders that way. They can burn themselves out. They can burn other people out. They can be so frustrated with everybody that, that they, get, they get to a point where they just can't do their job anymore. Um, and really, I think that's kind of uh, the way one's, you know, their path of disintegration is to a four. And, you know, fours, right? They're the individualist who says, everybody else seems to be connected to life, but not me. Everybody else seems to know their identity, but not me. Everybody else seems to be, you know, that envy thing they have. Ones, I think what it is, is ones, imagine that they're staying late on a weekend at work because there's a project that needs to be done. Nobody else will stay. Everybody else is out gallivanting, gallivanting around foolishness and nonsense, right? They're all out on the playground playing, but I have to stay here and I got to do the work. I got to do the job. Nobody else wants to do it. And in that way, ones, I think, kind of disintegrate into fours in the sense of like, everybody's got a better life than me. Everybody else is out having fun on the weekend, but not me. I've got to stay in the office and work these long hours because I'm the only one that cares. Nobody cares about it like I care. And I think that's kind of how they disintegrate into a four is that feeling like everybody else gets to have fun. Everybody else gets to goof off. Everybody else gets, but not me. I got to stay and I got to work these long hours. Their, their path of integration or their path of security or healing is guess where? To a seven. Yeah. When they can relax a little bit, and they can say, okay, you know, the work's done. I can relax now. Then they can focus on lightening up and maybe having some fun. God forbid that you have some enjoyment. And now they get enjoyment in getting all their job done, right? In their work, in their productivity. But there's a lot of enjoyment that can be had in foolishness. There's a lot of enjoyment that can be had in life in just playing not trying to make sure everybody's following all the rules, but just laughing and giggling and being a clown 
and ones, when they are in a place of security, tap into that every once in a while. And they get to feel that joy and that happiness and that spontaneity and that, you know, sort of get to shut that critic off for a minute. And they get little glimpses of, of just being a kid again and not carrying the responsibility of an adult or the parent. You know, when you parent yourself, you're not acting like a child anymore. And every once in a while, when life is right and everything is good and all the bills are paid and the house is clean and all the chores are done, ones can get a glimpse of what it was like to be a kid. And that's important. And you need that in your life. Healing can begin in a one's life when they say, maybe others are right. Meaning, I have a way I think things ought to be done and they have a way they think things ought to be done. Maybe, maybe they're right. That's hard for a one to say, maybe the other person's got it right. Maybe someone else has a better idea than I have. Maybe other people will learn on their own, in their own way, in their own time, and I don't have to teach them, and I don't have to instruct them, and I don't have to correct them. Maybe I've done everything that can be done. If ones uh, have a wing nine, if you're a one wing nine, then maybe you're a little bit more introverted and reclusive, maybe a little more generous and kind and considerate and compassionate. And you know when to shut it. You know when to be quiet. You know when you've said enough and it, you just need to be done. You need to be done correcting, done instructing. They can be a little more gentle, a little more detached, more project-oriented. Um, rather than teacher-oriented, they may be just more willing to, I'll just go and do what needs to be done, rather than I'll correct those that aren't doing it. They may wish to work alone because they know they can depend on themselves. See, they don't know about you. I don't know if I can depend on you, but I know I can depend on myself, so I'll just do this job on my own. Other people are disappointing. So other people complain too much. Other people don't take the job seriously. Uh, so the one wing nine just is more maybe project oriented and more I'll do it by myself. But after all, they're, they get that nine energy of just being withdrawn, right? So they can withdraw and get their job done. If you're a one wing two, then you're a little bit more concerned about being helpful to others. Uh, you might be a little more compassionate for people and want to teach and work to improve the lot of people. You're willing to get into the trenches and do this job for others for their benefit and you can get people to maybe believe in the causes you believe in and that are important to you. Um, Ones, just like everybody else, have to accept the fact that none of us are ever going to be good enough. That we do our best and we just leave it. And it is what it is. If they could get a tattoo, you know, on their arm that says, good enough is good enough. And they could just remember that. You know, I did a good job. I just need to not beat myself up on how I could have done it better. Um, it might be very helpful for them to remember that. If they could learn to rest in stillness, rest because they got this list of all these projects that need to be done and all this angst over it. If they could learn to rest and just pull away from everybody and just get some, some time of serenity, it would be helpful for them. Uh, if they would recognize their anger and recognize that they're just human like everybody else and nurture their need for tranquility. Um, 
I, I, I want to make a couple of recommendations um, for you as a one that I think could be helpful uh, to you in your life. Um, and I just got, I want to go down this list, okay? Number one, learn to relax. Learn to relax, take some time for yourself without feeling like everything depends on you. The salvation of the world does not depend on you. It's okay to relax. It's okay to say, I need to take a break. I need to go on vacation. I need a day off. And whatever happens, happens. I've got to take some time for myself. Number two, you have a lot to teach others. That's true. But don't expect the world to change immediately. You know, you wake up with a list of what needs to be done and you act on it immediately. But not everybody else is going to be that prompt or that motivated or feel that burden to the same degree you might. So don't expect everybody to change right now. Number three, it's easy for you to work yourself up into an angry lather at the behaviors of others. So recognize this and when it happens, just recognize it and acknowledge it and say, okay, I know what's happening right now. I'm kind of moving from a one to that four space and I'm getting frustrated because either I'm not getting stuff done like I think or others aren't living up to my severe expectations and just recognize that that's what's happening. Number four, get in touch with your feelings. Again, you may kind of avoid your feelings. It could be uncomfortable for you to recognize weaknesses in yourself or impulses within yourself, but it's important for you to recognize them for what they are, your feelings, anger, frustration, just acknowledge it and say, okay, I'm feeling frustrated right now. I'm feeling upset right now. Instead of thinking to yourself, they're not doing their job. Brr. Think to yourself, okay, I'm getting frustrated right now because other people aren't taking this seemingly as seriously as I am. Just that distinction of recognizing what's going on can be helpful for you to sort out what needs to happen next. Number five, your main weakness can be your self-righteous anger. It can distance you from the people that you care about. And so if you want to be a good dad or a good mom or a good husband or a good wife or whatever, ask yourself, is it really good to push people away and isolate them with all of my frustration and anger? Is the end of the day, is that really being good? I mean, think about back to that older brother in the prodigal son story. Was he good? Did he, did he, was he a good example of what a, a loving brother is supposed to be? Number six, allow people to be as they are and allow them to come to the decisions on their own. People are broken. You can guide, you can encourage, but people are going to do what they want to do and often it's going to be the wrong thing. You can be there as a support or as an encouragement, but you can't control their life. We, we can't even sometimes seem like we can control our own lives. Number seven, listen to others because they're often right. You're listening to the critic in your head, you're listening to your intuition, but maybe listen to what other people are saying. Give them, give them a minute to, to explain themselves. Remember that perfectionists drive other people crazy. Number eight, they drive you crazy. You may be that kind of person in somebody else's life and you're pushing people away from you and you're not accepting people as they are in front of you and that perfectionistic tendency in you can just drive people nuts. 
so that when you walk in the room, they walk away. And again, is that a good relationship? Are you being good when you push people away from you? Number nine, unhealthy ones tend to be obsessive in their thoughts and compulsive in their actions. In other words, they're obsessing on the way things need to be, the way things ought to be. I won't be able to go to sleep until all the spices are organized in my spice rack. I won't be able to go to sleep until all these carpets are vacuumed again. I won't be able to, to rest until I get that car washed. That's that's a obsessive, compulsive type behavior. It has to be done. It has to be done right now, and I'm the only one who knows how to do it right. Okay. Recognize that is compulsion, and then let it pass. And then say, wait a minute, this is one stuff. I can go to, I can, I can rest. I can go to bed. I don't have to vacuum all the carpets again. They're fine the way they are. You don't have to act on these impulses, but you need to recognize them for what they are. They're impulses. And then you can separate yourself from it and relax. Number 10, remember that a person does not have to be perfect in order to be good. Nobody's perfect. You're not perfect. And if your standard is perfect, then nobody is on your team and you're not on your team. Um, I think that, you know, ones teach us a lot at the end of the day about taking responsibility for ourselves, trying to be our best selves. But they also teach us that we all need grace. We all need to give grace. We need to show grace. None of us live up to a perfect standard. People are going to let you down. People are going to fail. You're going to let yourself down. You're going to fail. Um, and when you can take a deep breath and you can say, well, thank you, Lord, for loving me anyway. Help me to love the people in my life that even though they mess up and get things wrong, um, that's grace. And, and you're at your best when you're gracious and when, you're, when you overlook um, imperfections. You know, the Bible says that love keeps no record of wrongs. It means you let it go. And a one will give you a list of everything they've ever done wrong in their life, and it plagues them, it burdens them. But here's the cool thing is God lets that list go, and you can too, with a little help, a little healing, a little work, um, and a little letting go of yourself, and a little patience. Well, again... If you guys want to like, comment, and subscribe, I appreciate it. You can get in touch with me. My information is in the description, how to get in touch with me. I hope this video has been helpful to you. Like always, be present to life. Don't let life pass you by because it doesn't live up to your expectations. It could be better, so I can't accept things the way they are. Be present to what is around you. Be present to life. Be a blessing to others. Um, and love the way you've been loved. All right. Thank you, guys, and I'll, I'll catch you on the next video.